Chapter 54. Don't struggle, said the guy holding me. The Russian Superman. He had an act with huge rubber bands attached to his belt. He'd been jumping high and flying over the audience, off and on all night. Now he pulled me way up to the top of the enormous tent, and the bands tightened, so we were hovering there. The audience below us was ooing and aahing at the lucky girl in the audience who got to fly with the Russian Superman. Spotlights were trained on us, and the audience was going crazy. Who do you work for? I growled, gauging my options. This is for your own good, he said. Which was, in case you're wondering, the wrong answer. Time to blow my cover as ordinary teenager. I raised one knee high, then smashed my foot backward as hard as I could, connecting with his kneecap, hearing it snap. The Russian Superman stifled a shriek, and his hold on me lessened just slightly. Slightly was enough. I jerked my arm out sideways, and his fingers scrabbled to keep me, without success. I started to drop, and people in the audience started to scream, waiting for the poor girl to go splat in the center ring. But, of course, it only took a second for me to pop out my wings, pushing downwards so hard that I rose up before I'd even gotten close to the ground. Now the audience was really going wild, shouting, clapping, whistling at the Amazing Wing Girl from the Cirque du Soleil. The Amazing Wing Girl needed a way out. The Russian Superman, holding his knee, was staring at me in shock. I tried to shade my eyes to see Fang. Then another huge burst of excitement came from the crowd, and I saw him flying up to me, outlined in the spotlights. We can't hover, so to stay aloft, we have to move forward. I made small circles near the top of the tent, searching for an escape route trying to stay away from the backstage crew up in the metal catwalks, high above the ground. Fang swooped in low, making people scream, and then swooped back up again. He passed me, showed me the switchblade he'd pulled from his cargo pocket, and headed toward a tent wall. I was zigzagging as I saw Fang grab a rope against the wall, hang on, and slice through the heavy plasticized nylon of the tent. There was tremendous applause. We were a very popular act. Then an all-too-familiar sound hissed past my ear, and I dropped fast, swung around, and raced over to Fang. They're shooting. They've got silencers, I reported urgently, just as he sliced an X large enough for us to slip through. Another bullet pinged off a nearby catwalk, and Fang folded his wings and slipped out of the tent. I took one quick glance down as I started to edge through the hole, and a roaming spotlight picked him out of the crowd. Dr. Scary here at the Cirque du Soleil, where we were under attack. What a co-winky-dink. Chapter 55 Will it hurt? Nudge asked quietly as she put on her shoes. Early morning light was breaking through the leafy trees outside and sprinkling sun across the room, and the flock was gathering for their next field trip. Oh, I'm not sure, Angel said vaguely, digging around in her backpack for her coupon. I mean... Not more than, like, 
getting punched by an eraser or a sprained wing. Comforting, Iggy commented. I think it's a great idea personally, but I don't think Gazzy's so thrilled. Iggy went to look for the gas men as the others headed toward the front door. Are you sure everyone wants to go through with this, Angel? Dylan asked. I mean, most of us aren't fond of needles. Lab associations and all. Come on, guys. If Max were here, you'd all be into this. Angel said a little testily. The tattoos were Max's birthday presents to us, after all. Not to me, Dylan said, wistful. Just then, Jeb strode in, looking like he'd just rolled out of bed. Good lord, Angel. What did I just hear you talking about? We're going to go get our tattoos. Max gave us certificates for our birthdays. You most certainly are not, Jeb said firmly, just like the old days. You're underage. It's illegal. I won't hear of it. You're not the leader, Jeb, Angel reminded him. I am. Well, Jeb's a grown-up, Nudge pointed out. Angel's eyes narrowed. You guys elected me leader. Hmm, Nudge said, sounding doubtful. More like we elected Max not leader. I wonder what she's doing. You mean besides not worrying about us? Angel started to feel angry. I'll tell you what she's doing. She and Vang are off somewhere, having a great time, not even thinking about us. They're all cozy, just the two of them, and have probably forgotten our names by now. I bet not, Nudge said stubbornly, as Iggy and Gazzy entered the room. Look, everyone, I have news for you, Jeb said. In the future, it might be that each one of you has a flock of his or her own to lead. Everyone looked around them, blinking in surprise. Jeb sat down on the floor and motioned for them to do the same. He had a lot of explaining to do. Max has actually been a pretty good leader. She's kept you alive. She's taught you how to survive. I know you have your problems with her. I do too. He gave a little laugh. <laughs> but here you are. You're a flock, and you guys need a leader. Angel says that she's the leader, and I guess you guys are agreeing to it. So here are my questions. What are you going to do differently from Max? How will it be an improvement? How will you handle another attack like the one yesterday? How will you all work together to grow and change and adapt, to maximize your chances of survival? Angel thought. She listened to her voice. She thought some more. Jeb, I've been thinking about it, and I have something to say to you, to everyone. She paused. One by one, they stopped what they were doing and looked at her. Maybe living is more important than just surviving. Chapter 56 this is it, sir. The lead geologist double-checked her GPS and overlaid its image with a satellite-based graph. Satellite and radar confirm it. The stream leads to the underground source that the subjects get their water from. I hope you're right, said Dr. Gutherhagen icily. He was irritated at the Cirque du Soleil blunder, tired from the late-hour flight, and altogether eager for some progress in this project. Your performance up until now has been pathetic. Be glad I'm somewhat more forgiving than Mr. Chu. The geologist swallowed and rechecked her instruments with fingers that trembled slightly. No, this is it, she said, trying to make her voice strong. I'm positive. Okay, then, said Dr. Gutherhagen. Release the reactant. Another agent opened a foam cooler. 
A fog of dry ice swirled around them, like early morning mist. He carefully pulled on heavy gloves that protected him from fingertip to elbow. Following that, a gas mask covered his face. The others moved away to stand upwind. The agent carefully removed a test tube from the dry ice with tongs. He uncapped it, and after a moment's hesitation, tipped the test tube so its pale pink liquid flowed into the thin mountain stream. This will affect everything it comes into contact with, he murmured, praying that Dr. Gunther-Hagen knew what he was doing. Not necessarily, said Dr. Gunther-Hagen. It's been specialized to only bind to certain receptors. These mutants have them. Not many other species do. The team was silent as the reactant blended invisibly with the crystal-clear stream. Within thirty minutes, it would infiltrate the natural water reservoir that served the flock's house. Dr. Gunther Hagen could barely contain his excitement. Now, the real experiments would start. Chapter 57 All eyes were on Angel. She was almost vibrating with anticipation. Max would have never been able to do this in a million years. Max would have never wanted to. In fact, she would have threatened to lock them all in the rooms if someone suggested it. Now, she tapped a pencil against a tabletop. Attention! Everybody listen up! I've called you all here to make my announcement, she said. Get ready, because I have a huge surprise. Do we need any more surprises? Iggy asked. I'm the leader of this flock, she announced, and I want to announce some improvements we're going to make. What kind of improvements? Iggy asked, leaning on his broom. Well, first, I'm abolishing bedtime, said Angel, nodding firmly. We didn't have much of a bedtime before, Nudge pointed out. Angel frowned at her. I mean, if we want to sleep all day and stay up all night, then that's what we'll do. Gazzy shrugged. Okay. No more homeschooling, Angel said. Here, here, said Iggy, clapping. I'm still going to learn stuff, Nudge said. I'm halfway through the Rosetta Stone level 1 for French. If you want to, that's fine, said Angel graciously. But right now, I'm going to announce our best, most amazing project ever. We're going to buy our own car? Gazzy asked, with raised eyebrows. Have parties every week? Nudge guessed. How about a little order, a little taking care of business? Total muttered as he trotted into the room. That would be a huge surprise. Angel ignored him. Even though she was the one that had rescued him from the lab back in New York, she secretly wondered if he was more on Max's side now. Okay. Everyone, saddle up. She beamed at them. We have a long flight ahead of us. To where? Nudge asked. A concert. Angel said. In Hollywood, where we've signed to appear as special celebrity guests. Blank faces looked back at her. Is this a joke? Iggy finally asked. No, it's going to be so fabulous, Angel said. The concert is a benefit for fixing up a section of Santa Monica Boulevard. All kinds of famous people are going to be a part of it, and they want us to help. If they advertise that the flock will be there, thousands more people will come. And a percentage of them will be toting semi-automatic handguns, or weird mind-controlled chips, or heck, even bows and arrows, said Iggy. There's a reason we don't go into public much. Is this a CSM benefit? Nudge asked. I mean, Santa Monica Boulevard? No, said Angel. But it's totally cool. I've talked to our agents. What agents? 
Nudge interrupted. The ones I've been interviewing, Angel said smugly. The ones who offered us the best deal. They're going to pay us a whole bunch of money and guarantee our safety too. We're supposed to call them when we get to the Villa de Arvinville. Villa de Arvinville? I've heard of that place, said Nudge. That's where the stars hang out. The lobby was voted the best place to break up by Superstar Magazine. Finally, Dylan spoke up. That sounds like fun, but I think I'll be staying here. All eyes turned to him in surprise. Come on, man. Live a little, Iggy said. He was just starting to get used to having Dylan around. Not sure I have time for partying. He didn't look anyone in the eye. I've got to keep working on my flying, he explained. It wasn't a very good excuse, but Angel could work with it. Well, then you're coming with us, Dylan, she announced, feeling decisive and leaderly. We're going to fly 800 miles to get there. Practice makes perfect. Angel tried to zero her powers of influence in on Dylan. She wouldn't take no for an answer. I'll see if I can hitch a ride on a private jet, said Jeb. Total, you and Akila are welcome to come with me. Dylan, you can come with us too, said Jeb. Dylan shook his head, making some of his shaggy, sun-streaked hair fall into his turquoise eyes. No, I'll fly with the others, he said determinedly, but he seemed sad. Angel saw the intent look in his eyes, and for the first time, she picked up on some of his thoughts. He had been hoping Max would come home. Chapter 58 This is the coolest hotel ever, squealed Nudge, flopping face down onto a king-sized bed. Angel was trying to get the snarls out of her blonde curls, still wet from her shower. Through the doorway to the room next door, she heard Gazzy order room service. Again. The kitchen probably had to send someone out to get more groceries. Nudge rolled off the bed and looked at herself in the mirror. I'm 12 now. I don't look different, but I feel different. She stretched her wings out slowly, their feather shades of tan, caramel, and coffee. You do look different, said Angel. We're all taller. You don't look like a little kid anymore. More teenagery. Iggy and the others have really started looking older. Can I come in? Dylan leaned in the doorway, connecting their two rooms. Sure, said Nudge. Have you recovered? That was a long flight. I can't believe I didn't drop like a rock over the Grand Canyon, Dylan said, leaning against the dresser. I bet I won't be able to move my wings tomorrow. You did great, said Angel. Aren't you glad you came with us? Dylan shrugged and brushed some hair out of his face. He already looked like a Hollywood star. Some teenage girls had whispered and pointed at him when the flock had been checking in. Dylan was doing pretty well at fitting in with the rest of the flock. He wasn't demanding, and he was a good listener and a good fighter. Angel loved Fang a lot, but Dylan was... easier. Warmer. He talked more. It was almost as if he was made to be with them. A knock on the door made Nudge pull her wings in fast. Angel hurried over and peeped through the eye hole. Good guys or bad guys? Nudge asked. Angel smirked. Bad guys, she said, and pulled open the door. Four men came in, looking around with avid curiosity. They were all very tan, dressed casually, but in nice clothes and jackets. One of them was chewing gum. Who are you? Dylan asked. Joe Harkins, one of them said, holding out a tanned hand. Pleased to meet you. From Talent Unlimited. Here's my card. He pressed a business card into Dylan's hand, 
Another knock on the door almost went unheard as the men started shaking each bird kid's hand, introducing themselves eagerly. Gazi opened the door and let in Jeb, Total, and Akila. Whoa, you brought your dogs! One man exclaimed, and Angel hoped Total wouldn't bite him on the ankle. Hello, son, one of the men said to Dylan, looking him up and down. Now that's what I call star quality. All of you, of course. Talent Unlimited couldn't be happier to offer representation. Talent Unlimited? Jeb asked. Yep, and your kids here are pure gold, said Joe Harkins. He literally rubbed his hands together. Now, let's talk numbers. Kids, why don't you guys go play in the pool downstairs while Dad and I talk business? Angel heard Total choking back laughter. It was time to show these guys who was the leader. He's not our dad, she said, her face serious. He won't be making decisions for us. Keeping her eyes on the agents, she unfolded her wings. The men stared. Angel could almost see dollar signs in their eyes, like in cartoons. I'll be negotiating our contract, Angel said solemnly. Why don't we sit down over here? The room fell silent as the men waited for someone to say she was kidding. When no one did, Angel motioned again to the table and chairs set up in the suite's dining area. The men hesitated. I hear the usual agent chair is 15%, Angel said, concentrating, focusing. We need 95%. Chuckling at Angel's joke, they relaxed and trickled over to the table to sit down. Of course, Angel wasn't joking. An hour later, they got up, looking pale, shaken, and incredulous. They stared down at the copies of the contract on the table, like they couldn't believe they'd actually signed them. Okay, thanks, bye, Angel said brightly, opening the door for them. The men wandered out as if they had barely survived a crash. What did you do to them? Jeb asked. Persuaded them. Angel's too innocent face wouldn't have fooled a kindergartner. Isn't that what a good leader would do? Angel, we've talked about... Jeb began. Come on, everyone! Angel cried. Press conference by the pool! Chapter 59 Reporters? Gazi asked. Max will kill us if she finds out about this. Max isn't in charge anymore. Angel reminded him coolly. It's time the world knew about our special abilities. I'm not feeling that special right now, said Iggy, hunched over in a chair. I've been feeling weird all afternoon. Nudge frowned. Me too. Not sick, exactly, but weird. Like, tingly all over. Jeb heard this last bit, and he quickly searched Nudge's face. Tingly? On your skin or inside? All over, said Nudge. I feel that way too, said Gazzy. I didn't even realize it till you said it. I thought that was just the power drives kicking in. Let's get through this press conference, Angel said briskly. Then we can figure out what's going on. She was feeling weird herself, but it was showtime, folks. Ten minutes later, they were stretched out on lounge chairs by the hotel pool. Where's our waiter? Nudge asked ten minutes after that. She tipped her pink, star-shaped sunglasses down her nose. I need more iced tea. Dylan stood up. I was going to get some. I'll get yours too. Here are the reporters, Angel announced, pointing at the small throng of people who were being let into the fenced-in pool area. The private security team frisked each one and checked their names off a list. Dylan reappeared with the iced teas, and several of the reporters gasped or went speechless at the sight of him. Angel grinned. Who needed Fang when they had Dylan? The whole flock was a lot nicer to look at, 
and be a part of, with him around. She motioned for the security people to let the reporters come closer. There were about ten of them, some carrying microphones, some with big video cameras on their shoulders. Hi, she said, putting on a party face. Thanks for coming. We can answer questions for ten minutes, and then there will be a photo op. Who's first? Where are your parents? cried one reporter. Do they have wings? Our parents were a test tube and a turkey baster, Angel said. No wings. Can you actually fly, or has that been a publicity stunt? called another reporter. In response, Gazzy shook out his wings, climbed onto the diving board, bounced a couple times, then launched himself into the air. There were gasps and murmurs of excitement as he moved up and down with each flap of his wings, eating an ice cream cone. He then popped the last of the cone into his mouth, folded his wings, and cannonballed into the pool. Several reporters got drenched. There's your answer, Angel said. How old are you? Are you all related? A woman held a microphone to her nudge. We're 15, 12, 9, and 7, Nudge said, still getting used to their new ages. Gazzy and Angel are the only real brother and sister. You weren't all from the same egg, so to speak? Asked another reporter, causing laughter. Nudge looked at him. Do we look like we're all from the same egg? She pointed to Iggy, who was very pale-skinned. She herself was at least partly African-American. Gazzy and Angel both had corn-silk yellow hair, ivory skin, and blue eyes. Where's Maximum? And the tall dark boy? We've seen them in pictures, someone said. They're busy now and couldn't be here, Angel said smoothly. Who's the new member? A woman asked Dylan. I'm a friend of the family, Dylan responded casually. Birds of a feather, you know. Everyone laughed, and flashes popped as he smiled. Then the cameras clicked some more. They couldn't get enough of him. Do you have any other special talents? A reporter yelled. Angel looked at him. No. But Angel, that's not true, Dylan said. Angel glared at him. She should have gone over some flock rules with him. She should have thought of this. Now, she had to fix it. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximum Raid bootleg audiobook podcast thing. I am your love at Marky. And we got another message from our good friend Dylan, who answered the Spotify Q&A thingy. And he says, don't feel bad for the accent. It's hard to not do stereotypical accent. Do you plan on doing the entire Max series and the extended series? Uh, thank you. Um, man, it's just, accents are so hard, dude. I don't know how people do it. I guess lots of practice, but uh, yeah, doing my best here. But I do plan on doing the entire series since we're, I think we're exactly halfway through now. Like maybe even exactly halfway through the entire book, which would be really cool. Um, But yeah, I plan on finishing out the main series and then starting with the uh, spinoff Hawk series. Hopefully I can get caught up before the next one comes out. I think it was about a year between the first two books. So maybe if I post a whole lot really fast, I might be able to get it out before then, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. The reception to that series seemed kind of lukewarm, so maybe they'll just finish it with a trilogy and that'll be it, and then I won't have to keep doing this podcast until like 2053 or something. But yeah, I do plan on doing it. So uh, look forward to that. You got a lot coming. Thanks for sending in a message, Dylan. 
All right, and that's all the messages and stuff we have. So let's move on to the recommendation for this week. This week's recommendation is the Etsy shop Niblet's Novelties. So I found this page completely on accident because I was scrolling through Tumblr and saw that somebody had made some heavy plushies from TF2. And oh man, I, I had to scoop him up right away. He's so cute and I love him so much. And they're coming out and they're coming out with a medic one in the next couple weeks in February. And I'm so, so, so excited for that. Uh, but they have a few other things too. They have some TF2 stickers and pins. Uh, they have some Five Nights at Freddy's pins and stickers. Yeah, their style is super, super cute. So if you're in the mood for some silly little keychains or stickers or a very, very specific plushie, Niblet's Novelties is your guy. So I will leave a link in the show notes if you want to go check out their shop. If you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at MaximumCrimePod at gmail.com or hit me up on my Tumblr over at Maximum-Crime-Pod. And if you want to leave me a rating review, that would be super cool of you to do. Alrighty, that's all I gotta say for this time. So, until next time, fly on. <laughs>